Good morning. Are, are you all as wake as I am? Or, you know, you, you sound like, oh, well, guess who that is? There's Molly. Molly's like, what? I'm playing nice. So we're going to conclude this thing on what is the church. And um, I just wanted to share under, underneath that a church called Tav or a church called Good, which is Hebrew for good. Um, and that's been an influence. Uh, it's a book that I'm actually hoping that Pastor Steve and other pastors that I coach throughout the year we're going to be looking at. And partly because, you know, the church isn't always the example it should be. And um, one of the things that's happened in the church is there's been abuses in the church. And you know that, you read it on the news. And that's sort of what this book looks at, looks at that and looks at what did God call us to be. And so that's what I'm doing today and finishing this up. And, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm chuckling because I know that the screen that I have here is not what I have there because I changed it this morning and I didn't fix this. Oh, well. <laughs> wing it. When you don't know what else to do, just wing it and go with what happens, right? Isn't that life? I mean, you know, how many of you woke up this morning? Most of you haven't. I can tell that, right? Nobody raised their hand. No one said, I woke up. No, you didn't. You look at you. Anyway, so, um, but we looked at this idea before that we as the church are called out. But what are we called out from? What is that supposed to look like? I might as well close this. I don't need this. What is it supposed to look like? You know, it's like, it's like you get married, and, and what's the marriage supposed to look like? Uh, my wife and I have been married forever, you know. We met in second grade. She kissed me. We got married in third. And we've been married for 56 years. When I got married, I never even thought people would still be alive after 56 years of marriage. So I had no plan. And look at us now, spry newlyweds. So what, what are we called out to be? What, what is that supposed to look like? Well, what we said last week was we're called out from sin and darkness into the world of light. Out of the world and to the kingdom of God. And even that though, what, is, what does that look like? I mean, we have so many denominations that say, well, it's supposed to be this way or it's supposed to be that way or whatever. I think I shared with you that when I was a young person, I thought I was a Christian by because... Well, number one, I was told I was a Christian from the time I could remember, and I was a Christian because I was baptized. Therefore, I must be. I didn't live like one. I lived like the world. But I was a Christian, nevertheless. Well, I found out one day that I wasn't. (laughs) As some of you, I know, have already found that out in your life, you know, that I just... I was a mess. Not that I was a mess, but as far as following after God, I was a mess. I didn't do too well. 
So what are we called out to then? If we're called out from something, what are we called out to? And we looked at that. And Paul says in Romans, don't just pretend to love others. Because what did Jesus tell us? We are to love the Lord thy God with all of our heart, all of our mind, and all of our strength. So in part, what we're called out to do is love God. And then Paul says, just don't pretend to love others. Because Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Some of, some of us must hate ourselves, right? I mean, we must hate ourselves because of the way we treat our neighbors. And he says, hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Do you know, even that word is, is interesting in the sense that what is good to one person is not good to another person. I had a, I got a call this week from someone and they had, they had been accused of doing something that was offensive to another person. And they said, but I didn't do it. And I said, well, you've still offended them. In their heart, they are offended. My recommendation is, is that you say, forgive me for having offended you. Don't get into trying to convince them why you didn't do what they think you did. Don't go there. And this person sadly said, well, I'm not going to do that. It's their problem. I don't know if that's being good. Being good, I think, sometimes means that we are needing to take a step down from who we are. I think loving each other is admitting that we've offended someone and go with that. Just because I didn't do exactly what they said doesn't mean that I still am guiltless. Now, how many know that it's hard to love people? Have you ever been around someone that's, well, really hard to love? Are you married to one? (laughs) Do you live with one? Family members, and maybe I hope you're not one of these, but there's family members that don't get along. They're at odds. So Jesus said that we are to be his witness. To be his witness. Well, guess what? We're we're all a witness to Christ. If we're here, we are a witness to Christ. The question is not whether or not we're a witness, but whether or not we're a good witness. We're called to do love, to to love the world and do what is good. Who was it that cut me off last week? I want to know who that was. No, nobody did. But you know, sometimes, and you go into, you ask waitresses or waiters and ask them about what group of people they don't like the most, and they'll often tell you it's the church people that come in after church. Because they're rude and they don't tip well and a lot of other things. That's sad. Because when we are called to be his witness, that requires and, and, and means that we have an obligation. And what does that look like? Well, part of the problem with being a witness means that I have to deal with my own stuff in order to be a better witness. What's my stuff? Well, you can go talk to my wife. She can probably give you a laundry list of my stuff. But sometimes I'm cranky. Right? Well, you may not know that. Some of you are cranky. 
ornery, if you don't get enough sleep, if something isn't going your way, what happens to you? You short-tempered? I am. You're a quiet bunch today. So, what is it going to look like to be his witness? What is it going to look like to do what is right, what is good? What is that ultimately going to look like? Because it's one thing to say that we are called to be good. It's another thing to understand what that's going to look like in your life and my life. Because one of the things that we have to understand is, is what and who we are is different than the person next to you. Even if you've been married forever, your ideas of, <laughs> I hope I don't offend my wife, but I'm going to share a little story. Um, and she goes, what else is new? Um, so, but my wife loves me and she tries to do things that are loving for me, Okay. One of the things that she did this week is that she made me a salad, a nice green salad. I don't like salads. I haven't for 56 years. I didn't like them then. I don't like them now. Now, I like them in some sense, but I don't like spinach leaves. I don't like fruit in my salad. Ugh. And so my, some of you like this stuff, I can tell, you know, you're going, oh yeah, I love that, you know? So I had these, it was spinach leaves, right? Are they spinach leaves? And they're spinach leaves and tangerines and onions and I don't know what else. And I'm like, I don't like these. And she goes, well, you eat them when you're at someone else's house. Well, of course, I'm polite. I don't like these. I didn't like them 56 years ago. I don't like them today. Eat it anyway. <laughs> And so what my wife is trying to do is be good. And I get that. I really do get that. She wants me to eat healthy. I don't want to eat healthy. I want a bacon double cheeseburger with no lettuce, no rabbit food. And so... If we're going to do what is right, if we're going to be a witness for Christ, what might that look like? How would we know we're doing that? Well, first of all, God is good, isn't he? And God does what? Good. Everything he does is good. Everything he does is with purpose. Everything he does is with you in mind. From the beginning of time, everything God does is good. Is everything that we do good? Or is some of what we do based on what we want, what we need, our issues? Well, the first thing I have to remember is that God is good. And what God has called me to be is like him. So he's called me to be good. He's called me to do good. Here's one of the problems with doing good. If I'm going to do good, it must be done according to where you are in life and not where I am in life. That's a problem. Because then that means I need to get to know who you are. If I'm going to do good for my wife, doing good for her would not be to go to Grice's and buy her a shotgun. 
I might think it's a good idea. She might hit me with it. She wouldn't know how to load it. So she couldn't shoot me, but she would find a way. Like, why, why did you get me this? Well, it would be good for you. By the way, she does have a carry permit, so just so you know. She's not carrying, but she has one. I love you, honey. So to be the church of good, we must be individuals of good. And being an individual of good needs to me means that we must understand the people we're trying to be good to. And one of the things that we can do is that we can be totally void of who the people are. We're just doing good. <clears throat> one, of the, one of my trips to Mexico, uh, I went by a warehouse, and in the warehouse were these... Um, bundles, large six-by-six-foot bundles of clothing that were banded up like a hay bale. And I asked the people I was with, I said, tell me about that. And, she go, and they said, that's all the extra clothing that people send through groups to Mexico that we don't need. Wow. You see, someone back here is doing good, sending it to people who don't need it. And where is the good going? It's not. And that's why it's so important for us as a body of believers here in this location to understand what our community needs in order to be good to it. When Jesus says, you are to be my witnesses, being a witness to a woman and being a witness to a man may look differently. It may be still a witness, but it looks differently. If I'm going to stand up and speak to a group of women about men's stuff, it, may be, it better be relatable to what they can use. Otherwise, I'm just hot air. And so to be a church of good, we must first be individuals of good. We must understand how that looks, how it looks in our family, how it looks in our extended family, and then beyond. We need to develop a culture of good. Here's what I encourage people to do and would encourage. Is sit down and even in your Sunday school class, ask each other, if you were good to me, what would that look like? If we were good to each other, how would we know that? And the reason that it's important is because we all have different definitions. We understand it good or, or differently. When Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, what does that look like with your neighbor? <clears throat> I was, the other day I was in a part of Kerwinsville that I did not know existed. It's up on a hill up here somewhere. And I, I got up there and I'm like, no one told me about this part of Kerwinsville. There's other parts that I've never been to either and I've gone into them and I'm going, this is part of Kerwinsville? And my point is, is that people who live there or people who live over there have different needs, have different issues, have different problems. Not always, but if we're going to be good, if we're going to have a culture of good, we must learn how to do it in all cultures, not just the ones that we live in. But how are we going to do that? So this is what uh, Luke says in Acts chapter 10. He says, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with the power that Jesus went around doing what? Good. 
and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. And God was with them all. So if we're going to be witnesses, we're going to have to be people who are doing good. Maybe one of the ways we can find out is ask our spouse at the end of the day, have I been good today? Now that's different than a five-year-old asking if I was good. Okay? I don't know if my wife noticed this morning, but when I left this morning, I took the plate that I had been using and I put it in the sink. She said yes, she saw that. Why, why is that important? I hate putting dishes in the sink. But if I'm going to be good to my wife, good means honor and respect, she wants the dishes in the sink, and that's where I put it. I'm probably about 80, 75, 80% of the time I get it. I still miss it. I miss it a lot. But what is being good? And you see, the point is, is that good relates to who you are and who you are around, and you have to define good according to their understanding. Good is often referred to as just being respectful, honoring. So, Jesus went around doing what? Good. And we are to be doing the same. Now, I I had these things up here because... I didn't, I, you know, it would be nice to just send up one at a time, but I just throw them all up. So if you're taking notes or if you're not taking notes. But to be good, we must be a group of people that, that have empathy and compassion for others. It's easy. I don't even know why I'm thinking about this, but I, I told my wife about a dream I had last night. I forgot that I didn't tell her about the second dream I had last night. And the second dream I had last night was that there was a person walking uh, along the road in the middle of a wet snowstorm. And guess what I did? I drove by them. I didn't pick them up. And I knew it was someone who I should and needed to do good to. Not because I knew them, I didn't know them, but I knew of them in the sense that I'd seen them around town. This is all in my dream. And I wound up getting to where I was supposed to go to. And, and we all, a the, the couple of us went out to try to find this person because maybe we should go out and do good. And by the time we got there, they're laid face down in a ditch, half dead. And I thought, I, it just reminded me of this because compassion, compassion, you know, the good Samaritan showed what? Compassion. And compassion, to show compassion and empathy may cost you. It may inconvenience you. And as a body of believers, as, as, a, as the Kerwinsville Alliance Church, if we're having compassion against, towards our neighbors, what does that look like? If we're going to have grace, what is that going to look like? And again, and I can't emphasize this enough, all of these things is determined by where the person is at, not where we're at. What I've realized is that sometimes I can offend people because I am doing something that they isn't even in their scope of life. What they need is bread and milk. I read a story this morning about a a guy, and I think it was in Texas, that had a sign up at his little convenience store gas station, free milk and sandwiches if you're out of work. 
He's showing compassion and empathy for people in need. I don't know if he's a Christian. I have no idea. But what was he doing? He was loving his neighbor. Putting people first. You know, it used to be, it seemed like we did that pretty well in one time of of our society. But do we do that? Do we put people first? Be people of truth. I wrote an article this week and did a video, I think, on it too, on the idea of deception. Deception is nothing more than sleight of hand. I make you think something else while something else is true. And you know that there are professions out there that you believe are deceptive in their dealings with people. I won't mention car salesmen, okay? I hope you're not a car salesman. But there are professions that people don't trust because of a history of deception. When you go to buy something used, you're trusting that the person is going to tell you the truth. And oftentimes with deception is that there's enough truth to make it believable. While the other is actually true. This car that I'm selling you was driven by my 80 year old grandmother. I I don't tell you that she was a dragster at the local uh, drag strip either. And she used this car to drag race it. If it was my wife's car, I would tell you that. Though she's not a dragster, she drags. She's a, my neighbor said, I followed your wife the other day. She's fast. <laughs> Seek justice for others. It's, gonna, it's risky to do that because you have to step out of your comfort zones to do that. But what I'm talking about is learning how to be good to your community. Learning how to be good to the world, to your neighbors. Serve others. Serve them. Mow their lawn. Do their driveway. Find a way to serve them. I am, I, you know, I'm one of those people, like some of us are, I'm, I tend to have pride. I mean, I don't need your help. I can, get, I can do it myself. I can do it myself. I can do it myself. That's wonderful. But you're robbing people of blessings. When I, when I, before I had open heart surgery, um, and I knew I had to have it, and I was told that, that the only thing that I could do is maybe lift a toothbrush. And I'm like, yeah, right. And you know I had to ask my neighbor to plow my driveway? Because if I didn't, my kids would kill me, and my wife would kill me. And you know how hard that is to, to ask for help? Some of you are going, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, well, we need to find ways of serving others and getting around their pride and getting around their issue, loving them anyway. I mowed my lawn the other day and my, my neighbor said, why did you do that? I said, what? He said, you mowed your lawn. Yeah. Well, now I got to mow mine. It was all good fun. But serving others. And then... I like this idea of being people of the way. You know, that's what Christians were called. They were called people of the way. What does that look like? I like it because it says that, well, these are the people that are going in that direction. They're heading in that way. 
It is the way they do life. It is the way they talk. It's, it's the way they do everything. And I want, to be a, I want to go in the way they're going. They lived in a Christ-likeness. And you see, these things, and there's more to a list that you could put, but these things, I put up there not to say do these. It's not the eight commandments. No, I, I put them there because... It is to stir you. And and here's what it says in John. But I admit that I follow the way which they call a cult. And I worship the God of our ancestors. This is Paul speaking. And finally and firmly believe that the Jewish law and everything written by the prophets. That's Paul speaking in the book of Acts. Jesus said, I am the what? The way, the truth. And the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. And so you understand where the way comes from. Now, there used to be, I don't know if there still is, there used to be a cult where we lived called the way. Maybe it's still around. And I understand that one of the problems is that we can become so... Focused on the right way that we exclude the people who are not following the right way. Jesus loved people where they're at and then said, come and follow me. Not to live a life of perfection, but to live a life that's devoted to him. And listen, if you're, going, if you're here thinking that, that God has called you to be perfect, well, he has. But he also understands and loves you in your imperfection. So, the question as we're going to go to communion is, I want you to be thinking about what am I a follower of? What would others say I am a follower of? You see, ultimately, the thing is, is that we need to be looking at our lives as God would look at our lives. And I think there's there's an importance of doing self-reflection. And I don't care where you do it. By the way, you can do it in the bathroom. It doesn't matter where you are. Just ask the question, Lord, what am I a follower of? And let his Holy Spirit speak to you. And then do the changes that you need to make according to what he says. It's not perfect. So when I think about communion, I think about what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11. He says this in verse 20. He says, when you, when you meet together, you are not totally interested in Lord's Supper. Now, Paul is saying to those people way back when, he says, for some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing it with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. In other words, what Paul is talking to and who he's talking to are people that are not perfect. I like that because I'm not perfect. I like that. So he says, what? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to do with you? Do you want me to praise you? (laughs) I won't. You won't get any praise for this. But I do pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. And on the night that he was betrayed, God, the Lord Jesus, 
took some bread and gave thanks to God. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. You have these. Can you carefully open them? You see, the thing about what Paul is talking about here is Paul is saying, listen, you know, you folk are, are, are just, you're not, you're not, you haven't got it yet. And I want to remind you of what Jesus did for you. And what he did for you was he gave his body a broken and living sacrifice. Because remember at the Last Supper, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then they took the bread and they ate it. And then Paul goes on. He said, he, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This is the cup in the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, Jesus said. Do this in remembrance as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. My point is this. Even though Paul had things to find fault with, with the people, he brought them back to the the focus of who they were and what Christ has done for them. Why are you called to live the way you're living? Because Christ died for you. Because Christ gave you a gift. He broke his body and his blood was poured out for you. So take and drink, all of you. And when that was done, they sang. They worshiped. 